and welcome to another edition of Look Who's Talking, discussion and chat about the life of Christchurch New Malden. I'm Anna Larkin, and here on the show this month, I have regulars Stephen Kurt. Hello. And Nathan Larkin. Hey there. Plus our special guest for this month, music coordinator and preacher at the 6.30 service, Claire Jaggers. Hello. In this month's show, we'll be talking about the 6.30 service, including what's involved in the provision of its music. And we'll also talk a bit more generally about the role of singing and music within church worship in general. Um, we'll also talk about the Simply Christian course for leaders at Christchurch that just recently finished. Um, and then we'll have a look at what's coming up during August. So we've got lots to get through, but it's also a bit of a celebration edition because yep. Look Who's Talking is one year old. Woo! Twelve full months <laughs> since the very first one. So happy birthday yeah, to us. Big moment. <laughs> well, anyway, um, if we start with the 6.30 service, uh, most people will probably already know that we've got three church services here on a Sunday. Um, and the last one, the evening one, is at 6.30 p.m. Um, which might be a strange time to have it because nothing, nothing really starts at that time. It's either a bit earlier or a bit later. That's kind of right in the middle of the <laughs> evening. But Stephen, if I come to you first, why do we have 6.30? Why is it at that awkward time? <laughs> um, and what's it aiming to provide alongside our other services? Yeah, it is a strange thing when you think about it. Nothing else really takes place at 6.30, does it? Um, really? Mm. Um, but no. apparently, <laughs> apparently, the, well, I mean, obviously, other things do take place at 6.30. Yeah. I mean, you know, you don't tend to get things where you arrive for 6.30. I'm told it was because that was the time farmers came in from the fields, uh, that services ah. were held at 6.30. I'm not sure whether that's Well, I mean, uh, so Songs of Praise true. is on at about 6.30 yeah, on a Sunday night. Yeah, which I started night, watching. So it's around about, yeah. No, it starts at 5. Yeah, it does. Oh, so it's 1 o'clock this coming Sunday. So is does it that really? Mean, I have to change my recording. So does that mean other churches meet at 5 and we're at <laughs> 8? Or, I don't know. Well, basically, um, yeah, 6.30 services have been traditional for quite a while. And um, we overhauled the 6.30 service here at Christchurch back in January 2008. That's when we adapted it to what it basically is now, band-led uh, worship, sermons aiming to be sort of, I suppose, really quite radical. We're trying to make sure with the approach with sermons at the 6.30 service that no questions are off limits in terms of what uh, we ask about the Christian faith. Um, and uh, it wasn't in January 2008, but it wasn't long afterwards that we went over to cafe style, mm. which we've got people able to sit um, at little tables. And a little um, while later, before the coffee was drinkable. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we got good coffee now. We have coffee and cake and uh, snacks, don't we? Yeah. Um, and I suppose the 6:30 service is trying to be an informal service, but without the sort of the child-friendly nature, which is intrinsic to 9:30. So it's for adults and young people um, and informal. And dogs. And dogs, yeah. It's a, a very dog-friendly dog service. It is our most canine-friendly service. <laughs> it's Absolutely. Woof-free church, yeah, isn't it? Woof-free <laughs> church. I know. It, it, um, uh, Bailey came up for communion. Not long I did ago. notice that. And uh, I was, you know, in this dilemma, what do I do? Did so you do I, a blessing? I, I gave him a blessing. <laughs> he, did, he didn't receive the bread and wine, but he got a blessing. <laughs> we, had, we had a friend with us there on Sunday um, for the first time at 6.30, and she did look just quite puzzled as this dog kind of wandered on up for communion. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so it's that 6.30. I mean, 6.30 is, it includes within its remit, it's trying to do several things, but it's a particularly important service for being there for people 
who um, contribute a great deal to 9.30. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people who do children's work at 9.30 uh, come at 6.30, and that's their service for being sort of renewed and refreshed so that they can hopefully serve God effectively uh, elsewhere. But also our young people is an important priority as well. You know, the whole integration of it with Engage, our youth group on a Sunday afternoon, the involvement of young people in the band, that's quite an important priority uh, within mm. it as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's 6.30. It's also that 6.30 is the first service I started attending at Christchurch, and I yeah. came to the very first new yeah. 6.30 one, so that's how I keep track of how long I've been here. <laughs> and that was a, uh, the sermon on that occasion was a Christian approach to fashion or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Sarah preached that. So, um, Nathan, what is your take on 6.30? What, what do you think is the value of it? Because you bring some young people along. Yeah, so I'm kind of there with two hats on almost because... Um, as Stephen mentioned, we have engaged just before the service. And, uh, you know, the 9.30 service, um, Anna and I are out with the kids for the majority of the service. Um, we're with Encounter, which is the 11 to 14s. And um, so we're at 9.30, but we're certainly not there for the sermon mm -hmm. and, and that kind of chunk of the service. So to me, it's the service that I attend. Yeah. Um, but we also have this element of it where uh, Engage meets just before at 5.30, and so that's the um, 14 and ups. And yeah, so we, we finish just before 6.30 and all come across and sit together. So, so it's, I, I'm, I'm youth worker there, but I'm also there... Um, and it's my service. So we it, also what's, what's we get extra snacks. Do you know the little do. plates? I know, of like yeah, Christmas you're, yeah, yeah, I know. We get extra <laughs> we get ones double because snacks. you get the young people. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I think um, part of it is that you know, nine thirty with the action songs and the lively atmosphere and all, all the kind of shush-free nature of it is totally built around having lots of these young children there. Mm. But I, you know, I find six thirty not only as a service I would choose to come to, but also as one that I think. Um, is the best one that we have for mm. the young people who are that little bit older to come yeah. to and engage with. And, and um, so, yeah, that's where I see its, it's um, uniqueness and its value in the, um, in the things that we have on offer at Christchurch. So, Claire, what, what about you? Before we talk about music specifically, what is it that you really like about the 6.30 service? Um, there might be stuff you don't like, but that's not what I'm asking <laughs> you at the moment. you were originally a 9.30 girl, weren't you, when well, you I first wasn't. appeared? I started coming to Christchurch well, in 2007, yeah. just before the restructure. Ah. Um, and then obviously when the three services started, I found my feet at 6.30. I think for me... Um, I don't really want to get up early on a Sunday morning. <laughs> that, that's and the reality. who can blame you? <laughs> yeah. So it's mainly for lazy people. Yeah, sure, I'll take that. Um, <laughs> but I think for me it's about, it's quite an informal service. Yeah. Um, there's a really lovely atmosphere. It's, I love the cafe style. I love the people and the community aspect, um, which is slightly different to the morning um, mm. because obviously the style of service. Mm. I think also the idea of sermons that are relevant yeah. and try and challenge people and challenge situations you know that we're facing in our daily lives i really kind of yeah i do engage with those quite quite a lot and mm. i think that um yeah that's absolutely central i think to, mm. to the service as well as obviously the style with the music and the cafe and so on yeah. and you know it also um it's also good that uh 
you know, I think most of us here uh, go across to the pub. Um, yeah. Not, not a, if not every week, you know, often. And I think there's always someone, um, uh, some small group that goes across. And I think that kind of community is something yeah. that we're, I think that's the start. That's a small Yeah, bit, well, that was very consciously started because um, 6.30, although quite a number of people come to 6.30 who that is their only or their, certainly their main service, it did for quite a while still have the feeling a bit of a bit of a second service. Yeah. In that afterwards people would then go off home. There wasn't, um, you know, at 9.30, after the 9.30 service, after the 11 o'clock service, the lounge is full of people chatting. Mm. And that really wasn't quite the same way at 6.30. There will be some people who chatted after the service. So starting going over to the pub uh, as a very much an organised thing, started about three or four years ago and I think that was a really crucial move forward in creating yeah. meaningful community. That's something we want to build on as well you know yeah. it's, a, it's a good start that we hang out for a while after the service and um, but but it's why we're starting things like the cinema club yeah. and you know I think it was deliberately designed with the idea that the 630 service would have more of an outlet for community and more of a place. for. I mean, I think it's a tricky one for community because I I would say that 630 probably is the most diverse service in terms of the kind of people who yeah. come com compared yeah. with 9 30 and 11 i think it's got it's definitely got the biggest age range i would say um and uh, and the, just the biggest mixture of people from different backgrounds yeah, different, yeah all, all sorts so um at the other two services i think community forms a little bit more naturally because it's very obvious what people yeah. have in common yeah. at 9.30 virtually everybody has small children who are in primary school and that's quite an easy thing to build community out of at 11 o'clock I have to be careful saying this but lots of the people are for instance retired or um or you know women who are at home during the day yeah. um, and can come to things like connections I know connections isn't only for people at 11 o'clock but yeah. it's it's made up of a lot of those sorts of people yeah, and there's not there's not an obvious thing that links everybody together at yeah. 6 yeah. 30. Yeah, you're absolutely right which is why um, I mean the cinema club has had its first meeting hasn't it, it has. and um, I mean I was away I was away on holiday but am I right in saying there was you know 6 30 people there were quite strongly in evidence yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah absolutely in fact I think everybody was part of the 6.30 service. I think so. Some of them also attend other services. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think everyone had a connection yeah. with 6.30. And was, what was really lovely was, you know, the half an hour before we started the movie, sitting around having a glass of wine and, yeah. and chatting. And actually, the, the half an hour after the movie, sitting around and discussing the movie. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it just felt said, really natural. It's been said that people come to church for many reasons, but if they stay, it's always because of the community. Yeah. And uh, I was aware that particularly at 6.30, um, we just didn't have quite a strong community for the mm. reasons perhaps you just suggested. Um, and we needed to work harder at that. And, and otherwise, we were just going to become a church for people who'd already found their community at Christchurch, perhaps when children were younger. Or So I think building up more community at 6.30 is a really important Yeah, and I'm trying to do strategy. it in a, bit, in a way that's big and communal. Rather, yeah. You know, it's, it's good to have small pockets of community, even within the larger community. Yeah. That's not a bad thing, but to have spaces in the mm. in the month or you know in in the week maybe but certainly in the month to um to meet together yeah. like in a bigger we did think, um, i mean group. talking of the time of it we did um when we overhauled the services at the end of 2007 and the beginning of 2008 it did occur to me whether we should shift the time to 7:30 because i thought that will mean that people who've got young children can get them into bed um, it will perhaps um, mean that it's in the evening rather than this sort of time between the afternoon and the evening, as it were. Yeah. 
Um, but the reason we stuck to 6.30 was uh, less because of a commitment to that traditional time than because the feedback was that people who'd had, who had work or school the next day wanted an evening when they could get home, get their minds straight for mm. okay. work or school. Um, so that's the reason we, we stuck with 6.30. And also the aim of wanting to integrate it with our youth work. Yeah. Um, that was me thinking. There's all that thinking. I just thought we had the logo and we couldn't change. So. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. We're stuck with some it. churches, you do have some churches having their services at 7 o'clock. Mm. You know, there are one or two uh, churches that have Yeah, I grew up at a 7 o'clock service yeah. in the evening. But. Well, um, now let's move on to talking about the music at 6.30, because uh, that's obviously a, re a really important part of it. And, um, and Claire, you are the music coordinator for the 6.30 service, aren't you? <laughs> uh, so how do you understand that role um, and what are you looking for the music and its players and singers to provide for that service? Well, I think the, the first thing to say is the job um, really is, is just a facilitating role. I am there to coordinate the players and email out and put together rotors and all, all the sort of administrative stuff that goes Which with organising. It's quite a lot of work, I imagine, isn't it? It is quite a lot of work. but it's absolutely worth it um, because obviously music is very central to the the 630 service and I think mm. that we are providing a service um, to enable people to engage with the worship a little bit more that we are trying to provide something that people can access mm. um, something that caters for all different tastes yeah um, it, music is the sort of thing everybody f has an opinion on they do, <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. for those yeah. who can't see Claire's <laughs> grinning quite a lot right now and it's something that musicians have very strong opinions musicians on. do artistic <laughs> temperaments are yeah. always uh, yeah. one of the things I'm dealing with mm. but <laughs> I think the main thing is that um, as a worship leader and as somebody coordinating music in such a way it's really important to be open to what the congregation um, want and need and the way that they are responding to the music. So when I'm leading, I try and engage with people in the congregation, see how they're responding, try and identify what the mood of the service is mm. and enable the spirit to do its thing. Mm. So am I right in thinking that it's the, you sort of coordinate all the different people involved, but it's up to the, the worship leaders on that particular evening to choose the songs? Yes, so I put together the rotors and um, work out who's going to lead each week. Um, usually I do a couple of months and then um, we have Josh and Pete who also lead okay. um, and they do the other Sundays. And then obviously the players let me know when they're available and we put together the band for each week. Sometimes it's a big band, sometimes it's a very small band, mm. just depending on who's available. It's quite nice to have that variety though. It yeah. is. Uh, it I was like great that. on Sunday, wasn't it, when we had three blokes and uh, after the first song Barbara Parker said, that was, that, that was lovely, lovely boys. boys. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, was a great moment. I love yeah. the description of them as boys as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but yes, yeah, so it's up to whoever's leading worship that week to choose the songs and put together the, the um, sort of order of service in the media shout mm. for that, that evening. So, so that what makes a musician a worship leader? Uh, is it surely being able to lead worship is more than simply being Playing able to play, play a musical instrument and sing. Um, being able to close your eyes while you sing and nod that's your head. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very difficult question, actually. Sorry, I didn't, I did, I didn't no, warn you that I was going to be didn't. asking this. Um, but presumably there are, there are certain qualities or um, uh, 
I don't know, ideas or expertise or background knowledge or experience or something that must enable some people to, to I mean, lead I, worship. I, I don't answer it for Claire, but I do wonder, <laughs> you, know, you know, you were describing the desire to lead the rest of the congregation mm. into a place of worship. And I guess the difference between someone who can play an instrument and perform or sing um, and someone who's a worship leader is someone who can detect where people, you know, they almost sense where the congregation is and where they want to go and, and lead them to the, to, um, before yeah, God, I guess. I, I don't know. It's quite a difficult one to answer because I never intended to be a worship leader. Mm. I mm. ended up joining the band singing to start with and then sort of offering my very basic guitar skills to help out where needed. And uh, with time and people moving on, I ended up taking on a leadership role. And then when Monica left uh, last year, I took on... Oh, a bit longer, yeah, yeah. 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 Nearly two years. Yeah. Um, I took on leading the band so from it, an administrative So I guess a, a big element then is just a willingness to serve in it that really way. It really is. And it's mm. about having the right heart for it, I think. Yep. Um, and listening to other people and identifying different people's strengths and using those strengths. I think bringing people on, um, and this particularly shows itself with the young people, you know, both of my 17-year-olds yeah. uh, um, sing in the band or occasionally James will play the keyboard. Um, but I think that um, weaving this um, different group of people, different ages, different abilities, mm. um, you know, and getting them to... Because you don't have that long to practice together, do you, really? We don't. We, we rehearse at 5 o'clock before the service, and I try and keep the rehearsal to an hour okay. so that we've got sort of a bit of downtime before yeah. the service yeah. starts. And then I make it even more awkward because when you do have the young people in the band, you know, they're, they're across it engaged yeah, before as well. Yeah, that's a really so. good example of the flexibility, the fact that um, young people can come to the start of the band practice, then go over to engage, come back for the service is great, really, because then we're not forcing them to choose... Absolutely. Or we're not undermining the youth work to promote the music or vice versa. And one of the things I do love about the 630 band is the massive age range of people yeah. Yeah. And, and abilities. And I think that um, one of the things I find most exciting is about just letting people do what they're comfortable with. Mm. And um, I think my leadership style is very much people chip in and play how they're comfortable playing and the way that they're comfortable playing. But obviously making sure that we're sticking together following my lead mm -hmm. um and and i don't know it just it just works yeah, people it yeah. people yeah. do get on which board is with really it and it's great. amazing i do sometimes find myself looking up at you know all the musicians playing together on stage and thinking only in church would you get that group of people <laughs> playing music <Yeah>. together <laughs> you'd and never really yeah. see them doing and that it's a joy else. and we're always looking for new players and people who want to come and join us um and it is, it is really great to draw on different people's expertise and different people's skills and different people's experiences. And I think that's what makes the band what it is. Mm. Yep. I mean, I, I, it's been huge for the youth work, I think, you know, to have them. I think it's such a big thing for young people to find their role. Because actually, as mm. they turn 18, some move away, some stay around. And, you know, when you've been in church and you've always been the youth and you've been being served and the idea is that you know you're kind of just there but or when you come back from uni or um or mm. turn 18 it's like you're no longer in the youth group what what is your role there where do you fit and and to have worship as a place where they can serve and they belong and they um 
see how they can be part of the church. I think it's it's really, really important. And I think service is the biggest way we grow. You know, obviously we try to um, teach loads and, and all of those things, but I, I think getting the chance to put it all into action in the in the worship group, you know, it's it's brilliant. I love to see them up there. And yeah. it's really, enc- mm. and then it's encouraging to more than just me. I, I hear it all the time from people about mm. yeah. how encouraging it and is. And they get lovely feedback. You see, um, when young people are in the band, quite often adults will um, go up to them afterwards and say, oh, thanks for your singing and that sort yeah. of thing, which is great. Mm. And it's really important for confidence and um, watching them grow as people as well, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, which can be true of people of all ages as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, music is really good for, um, you know, health benefits and community and communication and mm. all those sorts of skills. So yeah. it's great. Yeah. It's nice mm. that we've got so many people interested. Yep. <laughs> so in terms of how the actual service is put together, does the, the worship leader liaise with the the sort of service leader or the preacher how how i i'm assuming that the worship leader isn't just meant to just pick their favorite songs and not think more deeply <laughs> about it so well, i presume there's a thought process that goes in there, and there should be yeah <laughs> um so talk us the, through how the idea happens. is that um so when i'm i'll, I'll talk from my point of view yeah. so when i'm leading a service i will first of all look at which musicians I've got, an email out to say, right, this is the group of musicians this week. I'll then get in touch with whoever's preaching and leading the service yep. and ask for any sort of ideas or input, um, see if they've got any requests as such. Okay. Um, I would then look at Bible reading for that week, if it's available, and uh, pray about the music that week. And then I have a very big folder of music where I sit down and, and flick through, basically, mm. and, and see how God speaks to What's me. What's your favourite song at the moment? Oh, that's a really tough question. Or one of your favourites. Um, I See the King of Glory is probably one of my favourites. Would you give okay. us a few bars of that now? No. <laughs> <laughs> we can hook up the guitar. But yeah, the idea behind choosing songs is to try and, as best as possible, fit in with what the sermon is about, what the reading's about, and, you know, carefully chosen to suit the mood of what's going to be spoken about, yeah. or... Yeah. And I guess it doesn't help when I'm preaching, because I very rarely actually get back to the people who ask me. You're not the only one. Yeah. But there's a nice laid-backness about 6.30 at the moment, and I, and I hope and trust this will continue, where uh, it's not fraught, and... Um, yeah. You know, the really good thing is that you are putting together um, a whole load of different components. And, and just at the moment, it seems to work really, really well, where you've got, you know, as I say, the young people who've also got to be over at their youth group. You've got a preacher, you've got a leader, you've got a worship group. And at the moment, uh, it seems, you know, really fantastic that all this, which could have lots of potential for disagreement and, mm. and, and you know, disharmony, um, mm. To, 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 you know, it's actually working together really well, I think. And, I, and mm. I do think an awful lot of that is the way that Claire leads it with a, yeah. um, with a soft touch, really. Um, yes. Yeah, know. we're very grateful to you, Claire, and also to the brilliant team of musicians that we have as well. We're very fortunate here. But it wouldn't feel right to move on without thinking about the people who, who also help. You know, we've talked about how the worship leader is the role is sort of to facilitate worship and to help the congregation to worship. Mm. And actually, um, the, the people on the sound desk 
um, are involved in that as well in a, a more mundane way. And also Steve and Elizabeth Hill, who put yep. the media shout script together yeah. through the they week and then an come and do job. it every single week. And so they have to adapt each week yeah. according yeah. to what we do. And, and if they, things go they wrong, also come up against the artistic temperament. Sound at 6.30 is probably the more complex of the three services. Yeah, I think there's, yeah. there's more going so on. Yeah, isn't if you're doing sound at 6.30, you're almost like another member of the band, aren't you? Mm. In terms yeah. of what's required Definitely. of you. And, and they're great. And they come along to... Um, the rehearsals and help us set up and so is that Mike Sainsbury, Andrew Rolf, Graham Ferrero, uh, Mike Ferguson, Mike Ferguson, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, they're a great team, and the lovely thing is I can just pitch up, having sort of selected the music and, and taking care of that side, and know that everything else will just happen around me. Um, of course, the other brilliant thing you do is the Christmas service, Claire. That has to be Christmas mentioned as well. Isn't it? The Christmas <laughs> service, which where you seem to be having a whale of a time. Oh, it's brilliant. I've I already had several it. people in different conversations. Just this week, I've had about three conversations with different people about how they're looking forward to carols by candlelight and are planning their Christmas holidays accordingly. Wonderful. <laughs> well, I, I, I We're actually going to be around this year again. Yeah, so we, yeah. we've well, booked our flights with it in mind. To plug, obviously, we're, we're looking for singers all the time, so... Um, listen out for notices. We've got this new tradition, services. haven't we, that the person who reads the Massacre of the Innocents passage is the person who's caused the most trouble at Christchurch in the last year. <laughs> so we, we look forward to who is asked to read Love that. Yeah, well, on well. that note, I think <laughs> we will move on now and talk about the Simply Christian course, which happened recently. So it happened for the, it's the second time it's, it's taken place at Christchurch, I think, uh, both this year, very recent. Yeah. Um, and this time it was for leaders at Christchurch. So um, the worship leaders and, um, and band leaders yeah. were, were there. Um, the leaders of the children's yep. groups, um, all the people involved in preaching, um, in youth work, children's administration. work, administration, all sorts of people there, but all kind of involved in running events that mm. happen in church yeah. in some way. It was quite a unique thing, wasn't it, to have all of the people yeah. together at one time who yeah. are involved in leadership well, here, it's very know, deliberate. at least a yeah. lot of them. I mean, having done Simply Christian for the first time the term before and done it with people who are relative newcomers, it seemed to me that there would be a real value in getting all of our leaders together for the nine weeks of the course. I think I'm going to expand it to ten weeks um, when we next do it. But getting people together for a period of two months plus and uh, just, yeah, having the opportunity for leaders to get together to discuss the sort of theological basis of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good um, couple of months, really. And shuffling the groups, the discussion groups each week seemed to work. Um, eating together, having, sharing a meal, um, yeah. different people cooking each week. Uh, it seemed to be a really good and positive mm. exercise, really. Mm. So, um, Claire, you were on it um, as music coordinator. How did you and find... Preacher. And preacher. And sorry. No. How, did you, <laughs> how did you find the, the course? And do you think, um, do you think sort of the, the things that you learned during the talk part and, and things that you heard during the discussions, do you think any of that will shape or inform the way you preach or the, the way you go about leading the worship at church in any way? I think the thing for me that was so beneficial from the course was the new approach to things that we already knew. Mm. I think that's, it was a new way of looking at things. Yeah. And it was very much about the community of people coming together with all their different leadership skills um, and really getting to know where people are coming from and sort of understanding different people's backgrounds, different people's experiences, 
um, both in life and also in their own um, Christian journey, yeah. and how that kind of influences the way we relate to each other. Mm. So I don't know, I can't be specific about how it will perhaps have an impact, but I think it's definitely got me thinking more about where people are coming from mm. um, and that you know, different people on different stages of their journey really have had different experiences and different and value different things in yeah. church. Yeah. And actually one of the key things is how do we cater for all of that? Mm. And that's really hard and a yes. massive, <laughs> massive minefield. But it, it really got me thinking about, particularly I suppose from a music point of view, how do we make sure that we are meeting the needs of every person who comes to Christ Church in yeah. one way or Which another? Which is a really big ask. Yeah. It is. Mm. I mean, one of the weeks that really stood out for me, and, and I, I think, you know, as important, if not more important, than the, than the teaching and the input was the discussion afterwards and the chance to, as you've said, to kind of pick through all of that stuff. But, you know, one of the weeks we did talk about worship and we talked, uh, you know, we heard during the talk about what's going on during worship and, and, and a kind of theology of worship a little bit. But then to be able to, to hear where everybody is coming from, to hear the, the huge range of what people mm. hope to be going on during worship, the things that people like, the things that people don't like, and to have a chance to actually articulate that, I, I think, in a good-natured way and um, in, a, in a way that hopefully is beneficial. But also, I, I think, really important to... It can be so easy in church in keeping things going and, and getting the sermons there, getting someone on the, on each Sunday to preach, getting a team together to put the worship together. It, just keeping the show running, it can be so difficult to stop and think about why we do any of these things. And, and it was a really refreshing chance, I felt, to ask why. You know, singing, for example, to stick with the week on worship, you know, I think people learn most of their theology, more, much more of their theology than they get from sermons through the songs we sing. Mm. And one of the challenges was, you know, we, we talked about, um, the whole course was really talking about what Christianity is, is about it as its core, as we understand it, and, um, and where, to, where we want to put its emphasis, and, and, and very much on the kind of what the Christian hope is. And then to be able to talk about is that reflected in the sermons we yeah. preach and how we talk about how we articulate our faith? And yeah. is that reflected in the songs we sing? Is that, you know, these types of conversations. Yeah. I'm not sure without it, something like this where, know, you, where you get a chance to is, have those is, conversations. It is, a, it is a tricky issue, though, because, you know, you write your own sermons, whereas you don't write your own songs. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, we have to, I mean, obviously we might... Maybe you up, should, Claire. Well, we might, yeah, <laughs> we might turn up someone who will be able to write songs, but by and large, we use... No, absolutely. You know, and if we had to use other people's sermons, we would run into a similar absolutely. problems, yeah. wouldn't we, actually? Yeah. You know, um, and um, so, so that's why I combine on that issue... Um, sometimes we'll sing things and I think, oh, crumbs, you know, that's undercutting so much of, you know, what we're trying to preach about. Um, but I combine that with an element of that is probably always going to be to some degree the case because we're not writing our own songs. And we, we, yeah. can, we can tinker around with the words, although then we're sl on slightly dodgy ground when it comes to copyright issues, aren't we? Yep. You know, yeah. When we change yeah. uh, in Christ alone and we do tinker with one or two bits of it, 
Um, we're actually technically doing what Stuart Townend, I don't think, would want us to be doing. Yeah, it's mm. funny though because I think people can almost be uh, can treat changing a word because it stands out when you're familiar yeah. with the song and, mm. and they realise that you're putting people in there instead of man, you know, yeah. or something like that. Uh, you know, people notice it for one, but that some people are okay with it. And I have encountered a few people that feel like you're almost rewriting scripture. You know, it's yeah. like this kind of, um, yeah. oh, you cannot change what Chris Tomlin wrote. And it's like, yep. whoa. And yeah, actually, the truth is that most of the older hymns we have updated. Yeah. So actually, you know, we don't sing the uh, original words to Heart the Herald Angels Sing. Yep. And, uh, and, you know, they, they are constantly have been revised, the words of old hymns. So actually, probably we should be a bit less precious with worship songs about amending mm. it here and there. We've also got rid of a few um, inappropriate verses from some of the older hymns, uh, racist verses and things like that. I had a lecture on it at university and I was horrified because I didn't know. But um, And I'm not going <laughs> to repeat this on here. But <laughs> <laughs> hymns, like, um, I think all things bright and beautiful yeah. used to have... Um, yeah. A few, a few extra verses yeah. that have been well, The rich cut. man in his castle, the poor man at his gates, God something, yeah. something God made something, them high and lowly and gave estate. them their estate yeah, or something, right. yeah. yeah. Um, Which we don't sing anymore. No, and it, it's never been true. It wasn't true when they sang it either, particularly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not aware of any overtly racist <laughs> <laughs> so Maybe you've been part of the Dutch Reformed Church or something. Nathan, <laughs> well, yeah, Nathan's <laughs> mum grew up singing racist songs Oh, no, songs I can tell you Sunday a few school. songs they used to sing that weren't good, <laughs> really? but that's not. Yeah, yeah. no, What was really? that rocket one? that you sometimes talk about? Oh, that's possibly some of the worst theology I've ever yeah, encountered, and they sang it. I used to sing that song when I was little. Yeah, what is the song? Very catchy, it's called, I it's like called it. the countdown, and you count down, 10, 9, 8, and all the kids are like getting all excited, and then it says, blast off somewhere in outer space. God has prepared a place for those who trust him and obey. Jesus will come again, and though we don't know when, the countdown's getting lower every day. But so <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we're, you know, yeah. it's all about escaping, having a blast off from this broken earth. <laughs> to, but then, you know, it is there in old songs. So can we add that at 6.30, can we? The countdown, yeah, <laughs> look it up, I'll it's worth it. it. It's probably on YouTube. <laughs> but, you know, you joke about it in a children's song, but actually, you know, the, the, same, yeah. the very same theology was there in... Um, yeah, the, we the, want to see Jesus lifted high. Yeah, he's the way to heaven, that's he what it's all about. Heaven, yeah. or, or in the older hymns, you know, um, this earth will soon dissolve yep. like snow and sun forbid yeah. forbid I mean, to shine. Yeah, I mean, what some hymns do, there is a green hill far away. He's moving, and um, but it's inadequate, I think. You know, he only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Yeah. What, what that, I think, does is say that's basically what it's all about. Yep. It's all about getting that ticket into heaven. And, you know, I totally agree that we've got to be really quite careful in what we sing because otherwise what it can do is say everything else is peripheral. This is basically the most important, you know. And it's easier to learn thing. a song than it is to pick up stuff from a sermon. Yeah. You, know, you, you repeat it over and over yeah. and, and it subliminally gets right in there. And yeah. It's, yeah. Another, and another hymn well. that's a bit random is, um, is Jerusalem. I quite like it, but it's, it's <laughs> almost become like a second national anthem. Well, it I makes think, you yeah. think of the it Women's Institute. Like, like, the risk with a lot of um, hymns and songs is People do like them, yeah, and yeah. therefore, you know, it's very difficult and they think to, it doesn't to really take away the emotion. And the, I mean, the I think theology. Jerusalem has actually got quite a lot going for it if it's explained what Blake yeah. had in mind, and perhaps we need a sermon on that fairly soon. But the problem is, and I say this as a fervent English cricket supporter, that you don't really want people singing it thinking 2005 Ashes. Um, you know, when they're singing Jerusalem, you know, so... I so would never think that. <laughs> 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 but, I mean, if it's understood to be, you know, building Jerusalem as in God's yeah. new kingdom oh, here and in yeah. Windscreen, well, yeah. then, you know, that's, that's yeah. good, but... And it's, it's got some good social justice. You know, and perhaps yeah. it is a challenge to us as a church that... Um, 
rather than just um, I don't know dropping songs or yeah. that. But I, well, to talk about it, you know, we had a chance yeah. to do mm. that a little mm. in this course, but to have sermons on I mean, it to song, say what song, are what is it that yeah. we sing? Well, um, songs can work the other way; they can work really positively. So I want to serve the purpose of God. Um, when it says I want to give my life for something that will last forever, yeah. I think that's absolutely spot on. Now, ironically, that worship song for quite a lot of people has fallen out of favour. And so sometimes you can get ones that have mm. got really quite good words, but there can be people They've like become a bit cheesy, who don't they? Like, well, who don't like, but, but actually, what are we mainly choosing it on? The, the, other, you know, the other option there is, is there can be songs you don't like which then grow on you. So, Blessed... Um, blessed uh, Be Your Name? Blessed Be Your Name was one I couldn't bear when I first oh, sang Oh, I love that, that one. I absolutely couldn't bear it. And as the years have gone on, I really like it now. Yeah. And something's changed, I guess, in me that I sing that differently. But I used to um, think it was, it was sort of soppy and self-indulgent yeah. and I mean, things that now I would see, yeah. There is something about the worship as a genre, and I think it, it is a genre because it's not reflective of the full range of musical um, things that we listen to. It, you know, it's very soft rock, very soft. Folk. It's like kind of a softened version of a lot of things, which it has mm. to be, to be fair, to be communal and to have. So I completely understand why. But it Radio makes it, two, you're But saying. it makes none of it. <laughs> well, it, it basically does make none of it musically something that I would listen to or enjoy. The, um, you know, I'd, I'd much rather um, it be a different style. See, I'm, I'm the... I'm, it, maybe, well, you have as well. But because I've grown up in church, I mean, it's, it's modern hymns that I really love. So things okay. like, um, if I had to only choose one style and I couldn't have anything else, I think I would choose hymns like Christ Triumphant, Michael Sayward, Lord for the Years, Tim Dudley Smith. Those sort of hymns I really, really love. Yeah. Um, all my hope on God is founded. They're, you know, I, I, I like worship songs and I'll sing them very happily. They're probably being written at a small fraction of the Jesus is my boyfriend yeah. style of songs. You know, I think there's a huge amount of the kind of very emotional kind of soppy stuff yeah. that I just can't connect with. That, yeah. But, I, you know, don't, we don't need worship leaders around the world to write for Nathan. You know, that's not, <laughs> you know, I, I get that there are more people. I think also that's why it's so important that we have variety and we have different people yeah. leading the worship yeah. and choosing the songs. And obviously at the different services, we've got different types of music being chosen and played yeah. And, yeah. and it's really important that as as a, a worship leader and and as musicians leading music we remember it's not a performance it's about where people are at with yeah. the music yeah. and that it's enabling them to connect with and that's yeah. where and people are different different weeks, absolutely aren't they? You know, yeah. people can arrive having had a dreadful day they're probably going to want something really quite or need something really quite different from if it's glorious summer yeah. and they've just their favorite person's just won wimbledon <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, in the same way that we've got a really diverse preaching team, which I really, really like at Christchurch, so, you know, if something doesn't hit the mark with someone, and hopefully the following week it will, I suppose to some degree that may be true of our, our worship songs as well. Mm. You know, if we've got different worship leaders, and um, then hopefully there's enough diversity to cater for everyone. Mm. Definitely. Apparently, I remember hearing, it was a survey done by, I think it was Premier Radio, but I could be wrong about that, um, a few years ago, 
um, the most hated worship song is Shine, Jesus, Shine. And yeah. I think it's because it, it was, was so, though, it, was, was it was quite a long time ago, yeah. but it's quite an old survey, and I think it's really overdone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's made the comeback <laughs> now. I'm a secret the, lover. The interesting, well, it's all mine. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's one that anymore. lots of people associate <laughs> well, with primary school assemblies yeah. as well. I think it can, feel, it can feel in the middle of a worship yeah. set, like a huge breath of fresh air to just have a song that you can smile and feel like, ah, I can, I cannot. The world isn't quite as serious as it's yeah. all felt for the last three songs, and I can just you, when be a little happy and sing <laughs> when Shine Jesus Shine. When yeah. people are broody and introspective, they, they often don't see it that way. So they often don't think, if you say, oh, that was very morose, and they often yeah. don't see it that way at all. They think they're being fairly upbeat. And I mean, I quite like reflective songs, yeah. but I feel at the end of a service, when it's only been those sorts of songs, I do feel a bit yeah. like, oh a bit flat yeah. at the end. It's quite yeah. nice to have something rousing well, to finish off. It's incredible how music can have an impact on how you feel and, yeah. and your mood. Yeah. And, yeah. and it can work the other way as well. Absolutely. You know, it can really lift your, mm. lift your spirits yeah. as well. And that's where I think a, a music leader has a real sort of responsibility because I, I've had several friends who have... Um, said that they've had experiences of worship in church where the where the way music was used has felt actually quite manipulative um mm. and they felt that it was used inappropriately in that yeah. way because music does have such a such an amazing power to affect our emotion and the way we feel mm. um to whip people up into a frenzy or to make people feel really like bursting into tears or um yeah, all sorts. Yeah, of no pressure. Basically, you need to <laughs> <laughs> you need to like completely take us on a journey somewhere and en- encourage us to engage with God, but not manipulate us. No, not <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the key is to make it our own, yeah. and whoever's yeah. leading has to make yeah. it their own, and not try to replicate the way it's performed by anybody else mm. or yeah. the way it's led by anybody else, and just to, to be true to yourself and, yep. and let God do. And his I think yeah, gen- not genuine Hillsong, worship is what exactly. exactly. we're Christchurch yeah. in New Malden, and, you, and you do yeah. a cracking job, Claire, and we are very grateful. <laughs> Thank Cause you. Because it's, it's said about worship leaders that the difference between them and the terrorists is you can negotiate with the terrorist. <laughs> but that is not true <laughs> of Claire Jaggers as worship leader of Christchurch. <laughs> right. So if we move on to the preaching program for August now. Um, it's very easy one to, to remember. It's, this, it's very similar most years. So at the, the 9.30 and 11 o'clock services through, um, through August, we have Why I Am a Christian, um, which is it's almost a bit more like, like personal testimonies. People, um, it's, it's something that I really look forward to because you, you find out things about the people that you maybe See, didn't childhood know before. Childhood photographs. So the photographs always, yeah, yeah, it's very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's things that even Facebook stalking can't tell you. <laughs> So this this August we've got Elizabeth Hill, um, John Cook is going to be um, is going to be second, yep. and then Mark Heyman, um, Helen Marsh, and Andrew Field. So actually, people from all three services here as well. Yep. Um, and then in the evening, this is a new one. We've not done this before. Um, slightly different from I think last August we had about people who are sort of the link between their faith and their jobs yep. and what they did. And, th- and this year instead, it's it's all about using our gifts from God. So we've got different people. So um, Katie Loftman will be speaking on taking over as treasurer. Um, Sarah Parker will be talking about leading Grapevine. Tom Collins will be talking on design and technology and how he uses that at church. Becky Mills will be speaking on coordinating Christian aid. And Nathan will be speaking on graphic design and how he uses that at church as well. Mm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I quite like it. It's a nice change having much more of the 
it's much more personal, isn't it? You get much yeah. more of the actual yeah. preacher yeah. Um, coming coming to the fore, which I, I think which is, is interesting because really I think sometimes in theory they're easier sermons to prepare because it's just you know you're telling your telling experience your story, but but and i i've never minded doing it but i speak to some people and they find it much much harder yeah. um to well, it should i mean you know asking people to tell their story um is not just potentially good for the congregation it's really good for those people as well yeah. and virtually everyone who's done either the one christian uh, talks uh, in the morning or the sort of variation on that that we have in the evening have generally said that was really good for me because I had to think through my Christian story or part of my Christian story afresh. I mean, you did it two years ago? Last year. Oh, last year yeah. was it, yeah. And I found it, I found it really tough. I'd already started preaching here and yet I found that one really quite tricky to put together because I couldn't quite work out the balance of how much of myself I give, how much boring yeah. information mm. to give, <laughs> or what I consider boring. When people tell their it's, story, it's never boring. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to work out the balance between sort of telling the past and talking about your history, and also kind of about the present and how it impacts your life now. And yeah. I, I found that, that quite well, a challenge. Well, discipline of like theological reflection. So yeah. you're, you're looking back on your story yeah. and, and articulating where, sometimes it's for the first time, for, you know, yeah. when you look back and you're thinking, so where was God yeah. in that? And mm. how has that shaped who I am? Yeah. And, and it's a, as you say, it's quite a Well, the good thing is it gets thing. people to ask the question, why am I a Christian? Yeah. Which you might think that anyone who comes to church regularly would have a ready-made answer to, but not normally as sharply as can be presented in a... Or even 16. why am I still a Christian? You know, it, it, yeah. it, 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 yeah. uh, it could be easy to just... Uh, and I grew up in a church yeah. that summers actually quite similarly to this was filled with lots of testimonies. We maybe wouldn't have had it as, as the sermon, yeah. we, but we would have people get up. And, but a testimony almost always was how you became a Christian. Yeah. Mm. And I think a big difference is this is to continue to ask, why am I a yeah. Christian? Why am I a Christian today? Not just how, how yeah. did I become a Christian or and that's why probably an even was I a Christian? more challenging question to preachers, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because to think back to when you became a Christian is one thing. To think, well, why, why am I a Christian now? You know, what's keeping me uh, mm. going with my faith? I mean, what I say to preachers is, um, tell your story, use photographs. People can't avoid listening. Um, when you put up your wedding photographs from 1975 <laughs> or whatever. Um, but I tell people to basically try and boil it down to what, for them, is the crucial thing. You know, when all said and done, what is it that basically means that they you know, carry on uh, being a Christian? And they're virtually always really, really good. I mean, we've got, we must have about 30 of them on the website now because mm -hmm. we've been doing this for about five or six years. And I think I remember Steve Hill, the webmaster, saying that they're among the, <laughs> the most <webmaster>. downloaded, <laughs> the, the most downloaded sermons. I know, but he may be yeah. cooking the books fairly soon after Elizabeth's one. He may be inflating the figures. You've just revealed that we have like a league table for the sermon downloads. Oh, it's there's a, an awful lot of It's a huge competition. competition. Susanna Alexander, or Susanna Slover as she is now, is still very proud that her... Her one, I think, got the most downloads of everyone. That, was that not the one about sex? Everyone downloads well, the, sex the one sells, about sex. Well, sex doesn't it? <laughs> I don't think it was, actually. But, no? Uh, I think it was one of our other ones. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just with the, the 6.30 uh, series, um, I thought it was a great chance for people to tell a bit of their story with a greater concentration on the story in which their gifts um, have, have developed, or the way their gifts have developed. Um, and so Nathan's quite an interesting example here as someone who did a degree in graphic design decided not to follow that professionally mm. 
but of how ended up actually doing quite a lot of graphic design. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it, you know, I, I did the degree, I won't preach my sermon now, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, and I've, I, always, I did it because I loved being creative and I loved um, using it, but I had a small glimpse of using it in a professional way and I knew it wasn't going to fulfill me and it wasn't what I um, wanted to do full time at least or, um, and have found that in, in working here at church or, or being part of a church it's given me the opportunity to use it in a way that, that kept it fresh and kept it, you know, I think yeah. one of the reasons I didn't um, go into it professionally was um, it felt like I was losing the whole reason I enjoyed design yeah. in the first place. I was churning it out. It became about money and it became about, you know, uh, doing exactly what someone else thought it should be for, you know, a all, all, whole load of reasons. But um, in, in having the church here as a, uh, a place that I can use it, it's, it's meant that I've, uh, yeah, just yep. really enjoyed it. And, well, the, and, aim, uh, the aim of the series is to build on the recent series that we had on gifts of the spirit at 6.30 to encourage us as a congregation to be thinking what are the gifts that God has given us how is he calling us to uh, to use them further within within church life um, and what I hope is that by hearing uh, people talk about graphic design, catering, design and technology, financial gifts that people will think well actually what are the things that I'm good at Absolutely. that perhaps could be used more fully within this church and when that happens it's not just that more's done for the church, but actually people are far more endorsed and affirmed in the person that God's made them to be. Yeah, and when we think outside the box, I think when the church um, presents the things that, you know, opportunities to serve, often, you know, it ends up being <coughs> the, the same kinds of things. You know, we need people to do youth work, we need people on a worship team, um, maybe we need gardeners, and we do need all of those things. But I think it, rather than the church having to put up a poster and say we need this to, to have people after this series coming up to us and saying do you know what I enjoy this and I'm quite good at this and I have no idea how that might work in church but I'm mentioning it because I've heard someone else say they didn't know how it could be used and 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 you realize that you know God can use every one of our gifts you know and that, that I, I think that's a really potentially exciting thing um and, and it's been really, for me, really um, exciting as well to see, you know, I, I helped to make the website along with Steve and a, a few others, you know, look a bit fresher. And um, and all of a sudden we had people coming on a Sunday morning and saying, oh, yeah, I found the website and yep. I came. Mm -hmm. Or we put posters outside. Yeah, we had one, one this Sunday of a, of a woman who came. Oh, really? Website, yeah. yeah. And Or, you know, even a poster outside, um, we put it up yeah. and, you know, we had someone who drove past on the bus yeah. and saw yeah. it and came to church the next week, you know, yeah. and to see that using your gifts can have an impact yeah. and God can use it, um, even if it's not something that was obvious, um, I think it's just a hugely yeah. uh, encouraging thing. So that's what I really hope from this series is that people realize God can use all of them not just um this kind of spiritualized stuff um mm. so if anybody listening at home has any gifts that they feel are perhaps a bit more unusual but could be used at church in some way then do um get in touch 
But um, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for this month. Um, so just a reminder that if you, um, if you come to the 6.30 service or any of the services and um, would like to join in building community, the next Christchurch Cinema Club is on the 7th of August, starting at 7.45. Unfortunately, film, for licensing reasons, oh, I, I cannot yeah. disclose what the film is, but it's, it's, it's a, a good, good one. It's one of my personal favourites, um, so do come along if you can. But in the meantime, for more information about Christchurch, you can visit our website on ccnm.org. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christchurch New Malden. And you can follow us on Twitter at CCNM News. But that's all from us. See you next month. <laughs>